welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Inside the Firm. This is the Monday Morning Edition with Alex Gore, and I'm here with Jack Osa of Osa Studio studio.com Jack, how's it? How's it going? Awesome, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to take on uh, this journey with you talking about you and your firm. And I think you do some things a little bit different and maybe more than, than your typical firm. So I hope the listeners will get, you know, something out of this. But before we dive into that different stuff, let's go. Where did you where did you start working after college? You're in North Carolina now. Correct. So where, where did you go to university and, and what was your journey like in the first couple places you worked? Or maybe it was only one. Sure, man. First of all, man, I'm very excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for years and, you know, you guys are doing an amazing job for for the architectural community. So I just want to let you know that in advance that... You guys are making a big difference. Oh, thank you. We, yeah. I appreciate that. Sure. So um, if you haven't noticed, I have an accent. I'm originally from Colombia, South America, not South Carolina. So um, I grew up in Colombia and I went to architecture school in Colombia. And, grew, you know, during architecture school, I used to, you know, look at books and magazines, see these, you know, projects and great architects from overseas, you know, Asia, United States. And, and during my architectural uh, school, I was always very impacted and, and somehow grew up inside my heart to, to go to those places. So I went to architecture school, got to the point where I started like labeling my plans in English and people were like, man, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you yeah. putting floor plan here? <laughs> but I don't know. I just had that thing in my mind. I was like, man, I want to go there. I want to do those things. You know, those, I want to be part of those projects. So I graduated from architecture school and then I started working for a small firm in Bogota, Colombia. We used to do a lot of gas stations where um, we will get um, drawings, standard drawings from United States. And part of my job was to translate from, you know, imperial to metric system, develop the projects. And I was living with my parents, saving all the money I could. And in about 10 months, um, you know, I saved what I could. And um, I decided to move to United States. So at that time, my younger brother graduated from um, high school. So we both. What year was this? That was 2001. Okay. So we came to to Atlanta with uh, $3,000, my brother and I, and we had cousins in Atlanta. So they received us and, you know, we, we spent a couple of weeks there and we had another cousin living here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We came to visit my cousin for a weekend. So when my brother and I landed and we kind of drove around the city um, I look at my brother and say, we're not leaving. And he said, you're right, man. So we came to visit a weekend and never left. We stayed forever. Yeah. Um, there, it was a big contrast between the city where we grew up. You know, Bogota, Colombia has nine, probably 10 million people today. It's huge. It's fast. It's very um, similar to New York City. 
and Charlotte, North Carolina, I mean, it's a beautiful place. You know, it's it's open, it's green. Um, it's, it was a huge contrast. So we decided to stay. So with $3,000, we we rented an apartment for three months. We bought a car for $1,000. Uh, we bought groceries and started walking the streets of Charlotte looking for jobs. So that's how we started. Uh, my, uh, my brother found a job in construction. I started working in a restaurant as a busboy. And on my days off, I took the um, yellow pages from the um, restaurant. I was working as a busboy and with all the architecture farms in Charlotte. And I will go on my days off, go to those farms, trying to look for a job. I had a decent portfolio of CAD work because I've always been very interested in technology. So I have a good amount of work. But, you know, I didn't have a resume. I didn't know how to look for a job. So I, you know, I never email or apply. I just showed up at those farms and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you have a resume? I'm like, oh, sure, yeah. So, you know, um, during that time, I started going to places, kind of learning the system, understanding how to, you know, that I needed a working visa to really stay legally here because I was with a tourist visa. And through all that, um, you know, I got to the point where a firm was interested uh, um, on on what I was doing. And they said, hey, man, we, we really like what you show us. We don't know how to check your, your references. Why don't we do this? Why don't you come for a week, work part-time, just one week. We pay you for the week. We see what you can do and, and you see who we are and how we work and we'll take it from there. So I said, sure, I'll do that. The interesting part about that is that my tourist visa expired six months after I came into the country. So I had a time, a clock ticking. If I don't make things work in six months, I will be illegally in the country, which I didn't want to do. I will have to go back to Colombia. So when I had that week with those guys, it was about month four where, where I was doing. So I'll show up there and they gave me this, floor plans drawn by hand and say, put it in AutoCAD. And I said, sure, I'll do it. So I put it in AutoCAD, you know, it was my chance, you know, that week was my ticket to go to the next level. So uh, all I remember is that computer was on fire. I was just working like a maniac doing, you know, doing, I was like, give me more, give me more. (laughs) Man, my English was really bad. I didn't speak English at that time. I was just say more more and they will give me more and i was just autocad like crazy and you know at the end of the week they said hey great we like what you what you've done we're gonna meet and we let you know what happens and about two weeks later i had a call from a lawyer it was an immigration lawyer who said hey just talk to this company they paid for your working visa you start next week wow so those guys changed my life man that's insane. That's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, I don't know if people, what was the biggest difference between the city that you came from in Columbia to North Carolina, just the green, just the met because the U S probably like every country has everything from a New York city to a, a North Dakota, you yes. know, where there's just not, nothing there. Right. Um, what was the big draw or is it just always in the back of your mind? Was it just culture? Because I'm sure American culture is everywhere. Sure. Um, Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest things is I really think this place fits my personality. 
Um, I'm a very calm person. Um, I'm an introvert. Um, I like to keep things simple and easy and, you know, not complicate stuff. Uh, a city like Bogota or like New York is like this tension all the time, you know, is this buzz all the time and you need to be careful and, and driving is a big deal and, you know, people are fast and, and crime is high. So there is this tension all the time. Mm. And when I, when I came to Charlotte, it was very relaxed. And, and, that, and I think, really think that fits my personality. That's how I am. You know, I like to keep things simple. And, and, and I felt like, oh, man, this is my place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, how was that visa process back in the early 2000s? And do you know, is it much different today? Because I know that there's students that reach out to our firm that want jobs that are from all over the place. Yep. Um, so maybe touch on that. Yeah. I don't think the process changed too much. You know, I was a, an immigration lawyer, a professional lawyer, probably by default when I finished my processes, because it's a lot of studying you need to do. Um, I don't think it changed. However, the conditions change. For example, I know they have uh, caps for working visa, certain numbers. Mm -hmm. So if the cap is filled by the year, say you don't have access to those visas. So the more people are trying to get it, it's all about the cap. It's just a certain number. Is it broken down into like, you know, construction, agriculture, medicine, no. or is it just no a it's, number like it's, a it's, million or yeah, whatever? Yeah, it's yeah, it's all over the place. Working visas, that's it. And and the ticket is I don't remember exactly how it is, but there is a certain level of education you need to have in order to apply. So if you have, you know, I think it's probably a four or five year degree in order to apply. Gotcha. Yep. Um, how much of a burden is it on firms hiring? Not much, man, because, the, you know, the way, the way that works is, is just an application that you need to submit to, um, to immigration. And the application is, you know, it's a thick package, maybe, I don't know, 20, 40 pages. Sure. And, and what I did at that time, you hire an, an immigration lawyer that does they do all the time. They're going to charge you, I don't know, a fee Whatever. for that, you know, yeah. $1,500. $1, uh, I think overall at that time, I pay about, they paid like $3,500. Who, the firm? The firm, yeah. Okay. And I think worst case today, I don't know, might be 5000 at the most. Gotcha. But when you look at the the investment that you're making in the in the person, that's nothing, right? Yeah, for from a firm, that that that's something I really want to do today because it's a huge tool for businesses here, and and just the fact that you can, you know, improve your your business, you're changing somebody's life, you're giving an opportunity. It's a win-win situation every everywhere you see it. If it's a good fit. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, okay. What was your journey like? You're in that firm, you're learning stuff to when you started your own firm and how did that yeah. go? So, um, you know, those guys um, gave me my first job. So I was like fully dedicated to be the best at that job. You know, as an immigrant, you feel like, you know, they gave me an opportunity and now I want to give back with hard work. 
So I work like crazy with those guys for about four years until I hit the point where I was kind of hitting ceiling. You know, I said, okay, you know, I know what we're doing. This is good. I like it, but I I needed a little bit more. Um, And then I joined another firm, which was a little bit bigger, where we did more national projects, um, including shopping centers, mixed use. It was about, uh, you know, the first firm was about 10 people. The second firm was about 40 people. Mm-hmm. So I was there. And um, during that time, we hit, you know, 2008, 2009. And the recession happened. And the firm went from 40 people to six people. Um, so I was one of the three architects they they let stay because, you know, I'm, I'm, I love architecture and I can do renderings. I can do CA. I can do you know, construction drawings. I can go talk to a client. I can submit for a permit. You know, I, I, I like doing all those things. So I was very valuable to them. So I was during 2008, I was still with that firm. They cut my salary back to probably 60% what I was making. My wife was pregnant at that time. Um, she got laid off. And about 2009, my wife started asking me, hey, why don't you look for a job? Why don't you see if there is something else? And I was like, there is no jobs. I mean, unemployment rate in architecture in Charlotte was about 70%. But she was bothering me so much that I was like, <laughs> okay, you, okay, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down on my computer. I'm going to apply for jobs. <laughs> She's like, okay. So I started Googling and I said, oh, okay, I'm going to apply to these offices. And I saw Gensler. I was like, oh, Gensler sounds good. I didn't even know they had an office in Charlotte. So I applied and like a month later, got a call for an interview. Uh, it went great. So in 2010, I started working for Gensler. Yeah. I didn't even know much about the firm when I started working. I was like, oh man, this is like a big deal. <laughs> like one of the best firms in the world. One of the I biggest know. firms in the world. It was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I showed up there like here, this, this project, 250,000 square feet. Here you go. This is your project. I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is like throwing you in the deep end right away. So man, it was the most amazing experience. I worked at Gensler six years. I did a lot of work um, uh, here. I did a work internationally. I learned so much, you know, got to, to work with the most amazing professionals and got to the point where I felt, man, I made it. You know, I'm an immigrant. Um, This is the American dream. I'm working at the most respected firm in the world. My wife stays at home. I have my children. You know, I have three kids. Uh, I did it. Like, that's it. And and that's when you decided (laughs) to mess it up. (laughs) Yeah. But man, for some reason, it was this thing inside me, like growing and bothering me. Like, man, like that. What's going on? I was like, man, how come I'm not happy? I have everything I wanted. And after much time of talking to people, friends, you know, consideration, got to the point where I realized, I went, and, and in 2016, I met Art Gensler, the founder of the firm. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a big thing for me because when he was telling the story about how he started the firm, he started like anybody in his garage with his wife drawing and 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 to see what it became today it really made me think about do i want to spend the rest of my life in this firm you know maybe retiring and doing great things or do i want to spend the rest of my life working in my own dream not somebody else's dream 
And, and that's it, man. Talk to my wife. She was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. I believe in you. And, and in um, January 2017, I, I left Gensler and started my own firm. That, 2017? Yeah. That is awesome. Did you quit cold turkey? Or yes. did you develop? Ah, nice. <laughs> yes, cold turkey. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love it. I love, yeah. I love pain sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no savings, no clients, nothing. <laughs> what was your first steps that first day off? First step is like, I need to buy the best computer I can afford. So getting the specs, get a really nice computer that I still use. And I, it was like about $4,000 yep. and I mean, a great computer. So I'm like, okay, at least I need my machine. And are you and, in Dell and Revit or what are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've been using sure. Revit since Revit, you know, version 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, got my machine and started calling people. So I'd, I had been here in Charlotte for many years. So I touched you know, a lot of projects, developed some relationships, got a lot of people. So I started doing that, going to LinkedIn, calling, emailing anybody I touched before and say, hey, I started my own firm. Um, let me know how can I help. And I started like that. Um, my first project was a pool house for another friend who had his own firm. He's a residential architect. So I did a little pool house for him and then one after the other one. And it's been, you know, four and a half years of mind-blowing experiences. <laughs> yeah. So on your website, yeah, uh, I, I suggest people go to it because you, you have some really good architecture work. I mean, normally we don't dive into that just because, um, you know, it's most people listen to the podcast mm-hmm. and not the YouTube, but you have architecture, branding, and consulting. Yeah. Yep. Most firms are just architecture. Mm-hmm. Where did the branding and consulting get into, how did that get into play and how are you implementing that? Okay. So you know how um, vendors come to you to show you products, you know, yep. tiles, carpet, you know, anything. I've been always very passionate about technology, computers, and graphics. So when those vendors will come to me, let's say when I was uh, working as an architect for other firms, they will show me their products. And when they give me their business card, I was like, oh my God, like who designed this thing? You know, like really bad design. Yes. Terrible. Yes. Horrible. And I'm like, hey, man, you, your target client is architects. We are all about design. I think it will help you if your business card is appealing to our like. So I started kind of having conversations until um, somebody said, hey, man, can you help us and design a logo for us? I said, sure, I can do that. So I designed a logo, got my first client. Then they said, can you design a brochure for us? I said, okay, yeah, I can do that. Can you design a website? So I designed a website. What was interesting about that is I was working as an architect. So they will come to sell me their products and they will leave buying me design services because I was the target client. So I know exactly what we like. I know exactly what what we're looking for as design professionals. So uh, it got to the point where before I left my, my job at Gensler, I was almost matching my salary on the side doing brand design work for product reps mm-hmm. because it was very effective. So when I started my own firm and I started having these conversations 
with uh, with you know with the community engineers uh, contractors about branding. Um, they said, "Hey man, can you help me with this?" So it started becoming a full line of business for my company. So within the brand design, we specialize in brand design for design construction or real estate industries. And the consulting piece came after that when when I was executing brand design projects and I will ask about, let's say a general contractor. And I say, okay, let's design your brand. Well, who are you? Who are your customers? Who, what, tell me about your culture. And they didn't have those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I developed um, a workshop called the Brand DNA to help them understand what's the clear differentiator they bring to the marketplace. And I started separating that out from the design services. So that became its own product, which I, I sell today. Awesome. That's the next step where I was going was, was that. So I'm glad you, you uh, talked on that. And, and you continue it today and it, it's basically any, it's like you're one of those fish that has the light in front of them. So when another <laughs> yeah. fish comes. That's a good like, one. <laughs> yeah. Like, welcome to my office. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are now my client. That's right. Um, so great. So from there, you have a podcast. Yep. What was the thought behind that? How did so, you develop that and, and what's its purpose? Yeah, so I'm addicted to listening to podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts probably for 10 years. Uh, It's just free information, uh, free knowledge worldwide available to anybody. And um, I always had that idea of having my own podcast. Um, When I started my business about after the first year, you know, I started getting into the cycle where I will get the projects and it was all on my own to execute the projects, I will disappear from from the marketplace. So I was in that cycle of up and down. So the first thing was, okay, how do I leverage technology to keep my name out there in the marketplace? That was number one. And the other one was I I was very scared to start a podcast because I was very self-conscious about my accent. And I said, who's going to want to listen to this guy? You know, he, he had a very strong accent from Colombia. He's mispronouncing words. Nobody's going to listen to that. And, and, and I did it to just push myself through that fear. I was like, you know what? I'm scared and I'm going to do it. If somebody doesn't like it, sorry, man, <laughs> go find another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's funny too, how a, a bunch of people's insecurities, no one else cares about. Yeah. You know, no one else cares, whatever your insecurity is, because they have their own insecurities and they have their own life going on. So they don't have time to worry about you. (laughs) I know. So to start the podcast, uh, I was wanting to, you know, increase my local network. So the concept of my podcast is called The Power of Design, The Intersection of Architecture, Construction and Real Estate. Because we always need those three parts to create the built environment. You cannot build a building without a design. You need somebody doing the work. You need money to pay for that building. You know, there is a banker creating a transaction somewhere. So I wanted to touch on every single point 
to create the built environment and talk to my local network who are the leaders and you know movers and shakers that help create the built environment so that's how i set it up so you know it's an interview format and i just talk to people that i know are kind of key players in the marketplace and um, you know, talk to them about who they are and what they do and how can we make this better through the power of design. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sounds interesting and fascinating. Uh, your architecture business yeah. right now, mm-hmm. is it just you? What's, what's your business model? What's your plans for growth or not growth? These people, do, some people like a steady level and, and how, how do you organize your firm? Yeah. So right now my firm is uh, myself. Uh, I have another senior architect that works with me here in Charlotte. He has 20 years of experience, licensed architect. Um, And I have two other team members in Colombia, South America, where I'm from. So one of the things that I really learned and Gensler is how to work with people in other countries. They call it insourcing. So when I was at Gensler and I developed huge projects here in Charlotte, my whole team was in Costa Rica. So for Gensler, your team was in Costa Rica? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have an office in Costa Rica with 250 people. Uh, Can (laughs) do Americans just decide, hey, I'm going to go to the Costa Rica office? (laughs) For sure. Yeah, you can. So, so after doing that, I was like, man, that sounds good. You know, I will talk to them in Spanish. They will understand. They know English. So I started doing the same. So I have in, um, in Colombia, I have a graphic designer who supports all my brand design work. And I also have an architect who helps me with Revit and production. Are they independent or are they? No, they're full-time employees. They only work for us studio. Gotcha. Yep. Um, is there a software problem ever uh, um, and, and no. any time? Um, no. Because sometimes I heard, maybe this was an old school thing where Revit back in the day, you had licenses by country and then there was problems that way, but none of that exists anymore. No. That's good. Yeah. How else? There's a bunch of huge firms that operate all over the globe. So it, it would have to be able to connect pretty yeah, easily. It's, it's not complex. It's just technology and getting your your tools together um what a, what's the time difference and how are you managing oh that? it's it's not bad we're very close so it's either one hour or zero or zero hours you just that's nothing it. yeah that's nothing yeah um and then is it do you have daily meetings do you just have hey you give an assignment and they check back in when they're done you know, any little nitty gritty, because I, I think a lot of people think about this sort of model, but yeah. I think the small stuff hangs them up. Yes, um, there is there is a learning curve. To, I say is there is a price to pay, right? And I will think a person will be very efficient in six months to a year because they need to learn how you work you need to learn how they work and and then you need to understand you know what's that frequency of um communication i like to do it daily so i talk to them at least once a day and my is keep a day here and there but i talk to them at least once a day and sometimes two or three times a day that's the thing where you start delegating you know you need to understand there are levels of delegation at the beginning 
that you're not going to get all the proficiency you can get out of them. You really need to train them and then they get comfortable with you and then you get comfortable with them. And that's when you see the payback. It's like learning Revit. You know, the, the learning curve is huge. Once you go over the hump, it's all downhill. Gotcha. So yeah. in the beginning, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's teaching and more red lines and more smaller tasks. But after a year, year and a half, it's, yeah. hey, here's a project. That's You've right. You kind of done it, you know, yeah. ask me yeah. questions, but like, just do the project. What, what I like is when I just forward an email from the client, mm-hmm. forward, and next thing is like, done. Yeah. And you're like, okay, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, sending business structure. Yes. Is that difficult? Because I'm sure you have a, a maybe a Wells Fargo or, or whatever bank. Yeah. Um, and then do you have a tax entity like ADP? Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that work with, yeah, how does that work with accounting? No, so the way that I had them right now for my purposes, they're independent contractors from yeah. my tax purposes. So I pay them and they do their own taxes down there. Gotcha. Um, and one of them has an account with Bank of America here. So I just transferred money to that account. And the other one, I just do an international transaction every month. Gotcha. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what are your plans for the future? Where are you taking oh, the man. podcast? Where are you taking the firm? Where are you taking consulting? What are your thoughts? So, man, I want to really grow this thing to the point where I can start spending a lot more time with my family. Um, you know, I, I define freedom in freedom of money, time, purpose, and relationships where I can have a good team that can run the firm. I provide direction as much as I can. Um, you know, I have three children. They're 12, 9, and 5 years old. Um, and, you know, that's my goal, to spend a lot of time with them. So I'm creating a vehicle to give me all the freedom to to do that with them and participate of the business as much as I like to do it. So currently I'm, I'm focused on um, learning a lot about business structures and doing a, um, a program through the SBA called um, Streetwise MBA Emerging Leaders. And, and it's helping me set up that growth plan where we focus on you know strategy, finances, marketing, people, HR, you know, all those things that as architects, you're never trained on. So mm-hmm. focusing on the business side of the profession is, is my focus today because um, I'm realizing who, who's growing, who's not growing, how they're doing it. You know, um, I listen to your podcast. I listen to many other podcasts and you get all this new information where it shows me that, man, you can do a lot more. There, there are many ways to grow. There are many ways to take your business. So uh, right now I'm working on a 10-year plan to get to a point where I, where I, you know, maybe the business needs only 10 to 20 hours of my time a week. So I'm setting up like an org chart of who those key players are, um, developing all the financials in order to afford that and pushing really hard the sales engine, which, you know, is the fuel of the business. 
um, you know, how much do you sell? And that goes into what's branding, marketing, how do you differentiate in yourself in the marketplace? And how, how do you attract and retain clients that are willing to pay for the value you bring to their business? Yep. Um, a lot of what you say resonates with uh, an author, Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar building a oh, story yeah. brand? Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, he's. I love Don Miller. <laughs> his podcast is is good too, and I, I honestly uh, wish it would be him and JJ more than the guests because they're so funny. <laughs> I know I just, JJ is awesome, man. I want to yeah. meet JJ. W- when I see JJ, I'm gonna give him a hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but so did you? I mean, they're so funny. It should, it should just be them. For they yes. should have one podcast where it's just them. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, they can have other ones interviewing people, but I just think they're so entertaining. I know. Yeah. I listen to every single of their podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Um, is there architecture wise, uh, are you staying in a narrow lane of residential and small commercial? Are you thinking about branching out to bigger stuff? How is, how are you thinking about what you're bringing into the business versus what you'd want to bring in. Or maybe you are there with what you want to bring in is what you're getting. Yeah. So because of my history, uh, um, before I started my own firm, most of my experience has been in um, office buildings and workplace interiors. That that has been my network. So I have a pretty good um, take on connections where you know, it's, it, it's, it has a lot to do with third-party project managers, you know, CBRE, Cushman, Whitefield, JLL. And so most of our work is workplace, which is, is really good, man. I love it. And, and most of the success of Gensler started because of workplace interiors. Mm-hmm. They bring in that professional um, take on interiors. So that's a lot of what we do. I'm, I would like to do massive complex projects. That's if if I wanna if I wanna choose something you know do like a massive stadium, you know something with complexity. I think um, myself and Paul, who's the other architect who works with me, we 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 like complexity. You know, complex building codes. We do a lot of projects for um, Mecklenburg County locally here, government agency, where the projects are very complex. There's a lot of engineering, and a lot of problems with building code and we go through it and we fix it and it's hard and it's complicated, but we're really thriving complexity. And, and I like the idea of making complexity look beautiful, you know, creating a, a solution where nobody can find it, but we found it and it looks amazing. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, some listeners, some people might not know there's actually money in developers from Colombia that are developing in America. And, and doing projects. Um, I don't know because I just haven't worked with anyone doing it the opposite way, but I'm sh- I should be, it, it should be sure that American money is going out towards Columbia oh, sure. um, and developing. Have you ever thought of being, uh, you know, like, because you have this dual opportunity here where you meet those, uh, those teams that are doing a development down there, but they have a, you know, a Colombian American, here that's communicating down there um, 
that might be a good opportunity too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, opening an office in Colombia is it's on my plans. Maybe I don't know when, two three years down the road, but it's totally doable. You know, they recognize the value. Uh, Gensler opened an office in Colombia two years ago, and if they did it, <laughs> there is a reason for that. Absolutely. So you know that that's where where I uh, I really think that's going to be one of the steps. You know, I'm I'm. Part of the vision of, of my firm is to be an international multidisciplinary design firm because I've experienced it. Um, it's it's possible. And as long as you have the connections and you have one project to get started, you get keep, you know, you keep going and, and that's how that's how you do it. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, Jack, uh, just two last things. Sure. Let everyone know where um to, to find you, what your socials are, um, anything like that. And then any other topic or, or purely just a message that you want to leave our listeners to the rest of the show is, is yours. Thank you. So, yeah. So you can find me at, uh, osastudio.com, O-S-S-A studio.com. You know, that's our website and I have all the links to social, uh, my podcast, you can find it at the power of design podcast.com. And I mean, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple, all the channels. And one of the things that I always think about is what, you know, what's my mission in life? And and I will really, and I really think that my mission is life in life is to inspire and empower people to pursue their dreams with passion. You only have one life and you have to take the chance to live the best life that you can. You know, sometimes we don't realize how lucky we are by living in, in this amazing country where you can choose your destiny. You can learn anything you want. Most people worldwide, they don't even have that opportunity. And we just shrink our dreams based on limitations or things that somebody else said, or we don't want to look like we're different. And there's no reason for that. There is only one chance to make it right and you have to take advantage of it. I love it. I think that couldn't be more well said. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your message. And it was great talking to you. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much.